Hello and welcome to Evol X, a special edition of Energy Voice Out Loud in partnership with Scottish Enterprise. I'm Alistair Thomas, I'm the Europe Editor at Energy Voice, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Nick Shields, Director at the Scottish Manufacturing Advisory Service, which is part of Scottish Enterprise. Hello, Nick. Hi, Alistair. How are, how are we today? How are we generally with podcasts? All good. No, I, I'm, I'm a podcast fiend. I love my podcasts, so it's very unusual to be on participating in one rather than listening, but that's all good. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be hand. And I was going to do a terrible segue about manufacturing a fantastic podcast today, but I thought I'd try to avoid that contrived horrible. Um, so we're going to speak today ahead of the Making Scotland's Future Conference later this month, June 22nd. It's a new title for Scotland's foremost manufacturing conference. So uh, Nick, maybe just to kick us off, tell us a bit about it. Why should companies attend and get involved? So um, we've had a manufacturing conference now for about 15 years. Uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to bring businesses together, uh, share their experiences, and I, I kind of, I, I guess, understand what the new and emerging opportunities are in, in the sector, new technologies, new innovations, and new market opportunities. We, we often find the, the, the best way uh, for businesses to, to get a really good appreciation of that is to come together and, and, and learn for themselves. So um, it's a, a tried and tested format. Um, we've, we've, we've expanded it as more of a, a partnership approach now. It used to be known as a SMADS conference. It's now the Making Scotland's Future conference and uh, in partnership with uh, other organisations such as um, Census, National Manufacturing Institute for Scotland, uh, the, the Scottish Government themselves. So a, a real kind of Scotland-wide approach to engaging with the manufacturing sector. Fantastic. It sounds like a plenty, a, a full plate of a, an agenda there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously we're an energy podcast, so green energy clearly being one of the themes this year. Um, so maybe just to start there, um, Nick, we've got this kind of huge focus clearly on offshore wind in Scotland as an opportunity, areas like hydrogen as well. Um, talk me through, if you could, how SMAS is, is approaching kind of those areas as regards that manufacturing perspective. So yes, as you say, uh, a huge opportunity that, that presents itself for Scotland. So uh, the Manufacturing Advisory Services is absolutely focused on helping businesses rise to these challenges. Um, over the years, we've worked with businesses in what you would call highly regulated fields, such as aerospace, defence, uh, offshore as well, uh, and, and businesses who then have to reposition themselves I guess want to go through and understand what the challenges are in terms of um, you know, looking at the processes, uh, the technology that they use, uh, and some of the sort of I guess the approaches. Sometimes it's down to the sort of um, compliance standards they have to meet as well. So it's our job to to assist businesses on that journey of repositioning themselves and understanding uh, what the challenges are in order to make a. I, can, I, I, I guess, a realistic and ambitious pitch into new market opportunity. And just maybe to stay with that green energy side for a little bit, Nick, I mean, I, I guess looking at the, the scale of the opportunity we've got off our shores here, clearly, you know, I know Scottish Enterprise are on this and, and certainly the Scottish government are, but, you know, we, we aren't necessarily manufacturing key components like electrolyzers or indeed, I mean, there are no major turbine producers in the whole UK, for example. I mean, just in, in terms of capturing that economic opportunity from this kind of energy transition we've got on our shores, how, how important will that manufacturing piece be versus perhaps the services side for us um, going forward? I think it will be hugely important. Many of these sort of larger structures uh, and larger components that, that will go in 
to the to the, the offshore opportunity that is in Scotland should really be made locally in terms of minimising uh, the kind of e the economic footprint of them uh, and obviously uh, kind of transportation costs and logistics etc. So it's 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 we're we're absolutely focused on on projects to to look to, to win to land and looking at that kind of FDI approach and also the the indigenous industries that are here in terms of they have an ambition to move into this area uh, again that's what our job is is to to look at the investment um, the change management and the innovation that these businesses would maybe need to go through in order to sort of pivot themselves into that kind of new opportunity so um, the sort of 27 gigawatt of, of, of um, ambition in terms of an installed generating base in offshore wind is huge and we absolutely wanted to make sure that the economic opportunity to deliver that um, sort of lands in Scotland um, so that the maximum impact can be made within the Scottish manufacturing and that Scottish manufacturing then opportunity like the offshore sector you know if, if we can get that developed here and be a real world leader in the technologies and innovations associated with offshore wind that's then an exportable proposition in the years to come as Scotland hopefully leads the way in that offshore industry great and and, and Nick when we when we look at this you know versus perhaps other industrial opportunities across Scotland I know that the the conference isn't just themed on green energy and it's one facet of it but how, how important do you know OEMs uh, in Scotland view kind of that side, that industrial opportunity versus perhaps others in Scotland. Um, so how important is that green transition in terms of the opportunity for them? Again, I, I think it is. I think um, they're coming to quite a kind of sort of economic sort of change in terms of energy provision. I think businesses um, obviously, you know, are looking in the short to midterm in terms of maintaining their, their revenues and understanding what their business plan is. But I, I see businesses ha have a very, very sharp focus on uh, what is coming down the road uh, uh, and how uh, the, the opportunities will, will present themselves. So there, there, are, there are areas, as you say, the offshore wind proposition is probably the kind of the technology is the nearest to market. It's not fully developed uh, as yet. And in, in order to meet the, uh, the requirements of, of the market opportunity, we'll, we will have to develop very much a kind of factory line process to delivering in volume these large offshore structures in scale. But as you said earlier on, you have um, the emerging sort of, uh, electrolyzer uh, market as well. Um, obviously, the, the offshore wind provides us with, a, uh, and onshore wind provides us with an amazing opportunity in terms of hydrogen production. So um, that technology is is less developed and and I, that's where, um, with my kind of our Scottish sort of, um, let's just say, kind of industrial heritage hat on, we would look and say, well, where we see a great opportunity to, do, to, to participate in new emerging uh, fields such as, as electrolyzers and hydrogen. I think it's a fantastic opportunity to see Scotland as, as a leader in uh, that, that kind of hydrogen generation, in particular from from, from our wind uh, capacity that, that we will build. So that that coupled with the kind of the kind of green heat element as well, with the, the, the kind of uh, the kind of heat pumps. So there's a whole kind of um, there's a, there's they're, they're all very different in terms of the technological challenge and the market opportunities are, but they're all primarily focused on the same area of decarbonising uh, our energy um, generation and consumption. So um, 
it's all up for grabs and uh, we just want to make sure that Scotland's in the best possible place to secure the maximum economic uh, benefit from this sort of this new sort of pivotal point in our, in our kind of energy market uh, globally. It's all up for grabs. I quite like that as a, as a tagline. Great to hear all that, particularly as regards floating wind, Nick. We speak to a whole host of different people uh, in, in the trade and sometimes you can get the sense, oh, it's it's just too difficult or other countries are, are too far ahead or, or whatever else. And it sounds like what you're saying is it's really positive and real opportunity there. But I, I suppose maybe just to flip that on on its head slightly, I mean, how what's your assessment you know, looking to our neighbours in, in Europe or, you know, Scandinavia, for example, certainly they've been quite far ahead in areas like turbine manufacturing or, or electrolyzers. I mean, has, has Scotland got a degree of, of catching up to do, um, would you say, in, as regards to this? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't deny they do. Um, um, certainly um, on the onshore wind element of things, I think we kind of, that there was there's an element of maybe other countries got there first. Um, the offshore window pr- presents a, a kind of profoundly different technical challenge in terms of the, the engineering involved. And, and I, I would say that um, no one's, uh, I can't really see many other countries have cracked that yet. Uh, and that's that's an opportunity where, where Scotland can have. We can learn from what we've done in the past and, and we have not maybe made the, the commercial opportunities that we could have done, uh, but build on that. Um, certainly, um, we, when we look at our, our, our competitors, um, Perhaps they've they've gone down that kind of an, an investment route where they they have um, the facilities kind of uh, kind of for fabrication etc. I think it's, it's a well known kind of sort of an issue that the kind of large scale fabrication is a difficult um, uh, and and then particularly the UK as a whole never mind Scotland has has really maybe sort of struggled to sort of rise to the challenge of that in terms of looking at the kind of the, the best investment the best facilities to do that. But I see some amazing. Um, sort of automated technologies and robotics and welding uh, and our universities in Scotland. Some real, um, I would say, academic lead uh, in terms of the technologies that will help drive that um, economic opportunity. So I, I, I'm very hopeful. And, and, and the fact that, um, that no one else has really cracked this uh, at scale yet, uh, given the opportunity that's on our doorstep within Scotland uh, through the whole um, the government-driven sort of uh, lease, lease sales for, for developers, I'm very hopeful that um, you know, the foreign direct investors and some of the local indigenous companies will see this as a great opportunity to invest and, and to, to, just to make that sort of step forward to, to, to realise the economic opportunity. Fantastic. Really positive stuff there. Um, so you, you kind of hinted at automation there, Nick. So maybe it's just time to, to, to shift gears a little bit. I mean, we've got, let's just set the manufacturing scene at the moment. Obviously, we have an industry that's to a degree still recovering from COVID, I'm sure. There, there's rising energy costs. There's uh, labour market participation issues, I'm, I'm sure, as well. Just to talk about that supply chain resilience, Nick, if you could, what more companies might be able to do there? How, com- how this conference, for example, could uh, help to assist them on that front? So, yeah, I mean, COVID has sort of generated, a, a, again, a kind of a pivot point of various economic challenges over time. And it was everything from, you know, the, 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 the large barge getting stuck in the Suez Canal to, you know, us all having to work from home. All of a sudden, we were exposed to um, quite profound supply chain resilience challenges um, that just were unplanned for um, and, and a kind of, a sort of decades long, I guess, reliance on offshore uh, manufacturing and very, very long and what turned out to be unresilient, if that's such a word, supply chains. So um, countries' economies are, are looking at, and, and a lot of it is driven as well by, you know, the, the, the drive to net zero in terms of minimising sort of trade 
um, sort of excessive trade for lower value components where you, you look at the value and think, well, if we, we, if we automated that, we could produce that, you know, at a lower price, but certainly a much more um, environmentally lower lower cost as well. And also precipitated this was labour participation that you've mentioned, where, where quite a few people have dropped out of, of the labour market and we get to a point where... Um, We've got, um, you know, so, so real challenges in many sectors now just attract, attracting labour. So never never was there a time more to look at investing in technology that, that drives automation, that, that helps um, remove those um, sort of mundane, repetitive tasks and, and, and also sort of continue to work on, on the myth that what automation does is, is, is drive out jobs. Actually, what part of the conference is going to do and what part of our, our ongoing conversation is that what automation does drive is a high-skill, high-wage economy and that you, you, the requirement for more technicians, for more data analysts, for more logistics. Uh, and we found that, um, you know, if you look across our European competitors, the more you invest in automation, the higher the economic productivity, so that's driving higher wages. And actually, when you look at some of our sectors that require higher labour content, you know, I'm thinking in particular food processing, things like that, there's never been a better time to look at automation. And the spillover benefits go to all the other sectors as well in terms of that kind of engineering challenge, in terms of, you know, whether it's looking at a line for baked products or looking at this, and it's not the same technology, but it's the same principles of looking at a line where you would produce high volume offshore floating wind jackets. So there's a there's that kind of sense of algorithms, knowledge, and an understanding of of automation, and saying, is there a technical solution to overcoming the, the kind of the kind of what you traditionally be associated as a manual operation? So very much looking at, and it's digital as well. It's not just about robots. It's it's and it's and and it's moving into that new and emerging sector of AI as well. And can that help too? So it's it's understanding all of these emerging technologies and how they can be kind of. Um, productively deployed to, to 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 deal with these profound challenges we find ourselves in, uh, which is partly unusual, partly caused by what's happened in the last few years, but also used to the, the demographic shift that we have uh, and this, this this economic opportunity we have as well. So I think Scotland's really well placed to, to embrace that sort of digital and automation world to um, in response to these economic opportunities. Fantastic. It, it, it sounds like there's a, a real... Uh, I guess perhaps education piece around that automation side. In terms of kind of how you've helped companies on these kind of digital journeys, I mean, has it been, for lack of a better phrase, it's been tricky convincing people who perhaps haven't looked at this area in the past to say, uh, look, this could uh, you know really drive some economic opportunities more widely as well as for your business uh, itself? Or how would you characterize um, getting over that hurdle? Perhaps Unusually in our more traditional industries, I see... Um companies embracing automation and partly driven by their own economic need as well that that um sort of labor participation issue that i've said too i've, I've seen it in, in some life and life sciences industries as they scale up where they go from just kind of very kind of hand balled driven lab operation to we actually need to make this in volume now so therefore um we do need to de deploy automation so that we can we can maximize our output minimize variation in quality into the process as well and consistency. So um, I, I would say that I've been delighted to see um, businesses, you know, rise to the challenge. I mean, often the, the challenge businesses maybe have is they'll say, well, where else could I see this or 
or, or what does this look like? And we have seen uh, an emergence of a few sort of highly capable automation providers in Scotland as well in the last few years too. So um, it's, it's, it's a mix of us getting out there and encouraging. So prior to um, the pandemic, we, we, uh, we, we developed what we called our Industry 4 tool. So that helped companies sort of just understand the kind of the opportunities that digital and, and, um, and automation presented and how that could marry into their own operational sort of procedures as well. And we, we've kept that, that, that program running so that we did a, we did a, a kind of a sort of a, a very focused process on it. And, and then years running up to COVID, everything quiet during that period of time. And actually over that, that period of time, I was, I was taken by many of the businesses who, who, who found themselves in, in a position of having to, as you remember, socially distance uh, and, and run their operations in, in quite cha- challenging ways. The, the businesses that had actually embraced a bit of automation and technology and digital work actually found themselves with competitive advantage because they were able to run their, their operations um, with that social distancing in place. Uh, the businesses that had very, very highly manual sort of um, operating lines involving a lot of people, they, they, they struggled. So now that was chance. No, that, that, that wasn't. These people didn't automate with the prospect of a, a global pandemic coming down the line. But it was one of the, the, the benefits that they got. But actually, as we see going forward with labour participation low, um, again, businesses are looking at that as, as a solution uh, to their to their challenges. Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like a lot a lot going on, but it's great to hear that kind of activity uh, moving. I just want to do a quick uh, shift again, if I could, Nick, and, and something that's kind of very much on the energy sector's right, mind right now. I'm sure manufacturing as well as part of that. You know, every business's mind is sustainability piece uh, and the emissions, not just from your own company, perhaps going down into your supply chain as well. Maybe if I could uh, ask you a little bit about the need and and the importance around operating sustainably as regards uh, the environment in manufacturing. And again, how how might this conference look to address a couple of those issues around that? So, um, yes, that that, that journey to net zero now is... um, I mean, you're seeing it coming at it from a kind of variety of, of pressure. So you've certainly got the kind of the kind of overall government-driven legislative approach, um, which we can see in the targets that have been set. So down the line, um, but very much consumers are demanding this as well, uh, and they're making choices, and uh, they will they will choose based on their their perception of how what a, a business's economic credentials are or environmental credentials are, so that they are being seen to do the right things. So. Um, it's it's and and baked into all that again is this this economic opportunity that you know um, that you'll have heard the former Bank of England uh, Governor Mark Carney talk about you know there's there's the four businesses that can get get there first and demonstrate that they can deliver the the, the, the products and the processes that drive that net zero future um, that they there's there's a compelling business narrative for that as well so. Again, um, we've got. Um, I, I actually also um, oversee the, the activity of the sustainability team within Scottish Enterprise too. Um, uh, we have a, a very proactive approach with our, the companies that we that we engage with, uh, and, and very much encourage them to sort of, to develop their um, their their net zero plans uh, so that they're. they're, they're, they're they're meaning, meaningful and achievable, so they're not. It's not something that businesses are going to deliver, you know, this year or next. They they, they have to sort of have a sort of verifiable plan. That, that, and some businesses are, are trying to do it in the next ten years, and that that's fine. And some will do it sooner. Some will say, no, we'll take the twenty years. But there has to be a sort of meaningful journey to looking at 
a business's scope one, two and three emissions and, and a plan in place that starts to address them all. Uh, and, and again, talking about recent economic, you know, uh, sort of rifts that we've seen where the kind of energy price hike, there has never been a better time for a business to look at how it can um, minimise its use of, of, of its electricity and gas right now and its power requirements, So, um, which, which will, will, will absolutely help you get on that journey of your scope one and two. Um, emissions and, and and address that now and then looking down you know you see the OEMs and the primes will look and will, will be choosing their supply chains based on their willingness to adopt that that approach so um, and we see that across um, businesses that, um, that, that they're being told now you you, you know having a, a verifiable uh, net zero plan will be conditional effectively to to ongoing business so it's, it's very, very important um, from, you know, not just the environmental case, which is, you know, which is compelling, but the economic and, and sustainability case of the business as well. Uh, and it's, it's a great opportunity for them to do that and to look at innovating themselves in terms of reducing their uh, their emissions. Fantastic. It's really interesting to hear about the consumer side, but, you know, more specifically, the customers that are buying the service from the manufacturer, the, the, the net zero pieces is something we can ignore. Nick, just to kind of head us off to the end here, if I've never been to the conference before, and I'm sure if anyone listening to this will, of course, have been swayed by what they've heard, but just in case they haven't, if someone's still on the fence about attending, what would the message to be to, to those companies, those potential participants, um, to head along later this month? I think you've done a great job in terms of covering what we would see. So if you're an existing business just looking to be more productive and and looking at what, what other tools and techniques, what other approaches can I learn from, you'll hear from businesses that, that are doing that just now and are sort of leading the way on, on maximising their efficiencies. If you want to know more about the green energy supply opportunities that, that sit here as well, you'll hear about that too. You'll, you'll, you'll get an understanding of that. We've got um, so, some blue sky thinking as well, looking at, you know, so from a slightly more down the road perspective, we've got a, a really good speaker, Melissa Sterry, talking about the kind of, the kind of how technology and society are evolving and, 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 and looking in areas such as how we'll have to sort of rise to the challenge of uh, sort of meeting, you know, what, what consumers and employees are saying about what they want as well in terms of sort of equality, diversity, inclusion. So, um, and, and again, back to that, we've got, a, we've got a case study on a business who looked at um, just doing some simple sensor monitoring of their energy usage to understand how they could uh, minimise what they were doing and, and generated some great and useful information at very low cost in terms of managing their energy programmes as well. So from the, the very, very simple, easy to get your head around, hands-on case studies to that kind of sort of, sort of blue sky thinking, there's, I think there's something for everything at, at the conference in terms of, you know, um, having an experience, again, it's, we always like to use companies to tell their stories so that it's in a, um, a that kind of sort of a, a kind of peer-to-peer -peer environment uh, for 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 what I think is a first-class learning uh, opportunity. Excellent, plenty on offer there, and that is a great place for us to end on. So thanks very much for being with us, Nick. Really interesting discussion. The Making Scotland's Future conference takes place on the twenty-second of June at RBS Gogoburn in Edinburgh. For more info, go online and check out Scottish Enterprise on social media. We hope to see you there and thanks for listening.
The Making Scotland's Future Conference, previously known as the Scottish Manufacturing Advisory Service National Manufacturing Conference, will take place on the 22nd of June at the Royal Bank of Scotland Gogoburn HQ in Edinburgh. A key highlight in Scotland's manufacturing calendar, this year's event has a strong focus on productivity and emerging opportunities. Businesses attending can expect to take part in workshops and best practice sessions on topics including supply chain resilience, industry 4.0 technologies, leadership and culture, operational excellence and sustainability. Book today by visiting makingscotlandsfutureconference.scot.